we're in the middle of a mini-series um, about spiritual disciplines. And, um, and today's spiritual discipline is fellowship. Um, and if you've been um, around church for any amount of time in your life, you've heard that word fellowship. But if you've not been around church for a long time, when you think of fellowship, this might be the first image that comes to your mind. I know that y'all were thinking as soon as you heard the word fellowship, you was like Frodo. You were like, <laughs> like the precious. Like, <laughs> I know that's where your mind went. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you've been around church, if, say if you were one of those people who were like, you say you were born on a pew, and they get a wave offering for people who was born on a pew. This is what you think of when you think of fellowship. Yes. Yes. That potluck. Yes. Give me some spaghetti that's already mixed. Some really soggy green beans on the side with some fried chicken because that's all we ever had at the <laughs> right. That was the dinner down in the fellowship hall. <laughs> um, oh, yes, yes. I st listen, I still want to be there. Um, but um, there's two definitions of fellowship that I want to talk about. The first is from Miriam Webster, who has guided us all in vocabulary. Uh, um, there, um, there are several definitions, but the two that are kind of at the top, um, simply companionship or company. Um, the second one is pretty, is, is pretty profound, community of interest, activity, feeling, or experience. Um, that's a unique thought, right? Because that broadens the idea of like companionship or company, any community of interest, activity, feeling, or experience. And the word or is there on purpose. I love conjunctions because they help us to understand really the context, the fuller context, not and, or, I see somebody over, conjunction, junction, what's your, <laughs> so, right? So we know that fellowship can have any one of these, but for our, for our purpose today, it's not anything different, but for us to be able to have a definition to keep going back to, it is Christ-centered togetherness. Right. Like that's really the idea of fellowship. When we start to think of fellowship here, Christ centered togetherness. So whether that is being together in person, being together in the experience online or here, being together in how we interpret scripture fellowship, being together in our worship. And we were together today. <laughs> Listen, right? So wait, I'm going to pause because that's not always the case, right? It's okay for us to be real. Like sometimes when we are worshiping together, we're not worshiping together, right? And so, in, so we can step into a space of maturity and say in that moment, I may be worshiping and you may be worshiping, but we don't actually have fellowship in our worship until we are worshiping together. We are together. And that is a beautiful and powerful thing. Yes. And that is actually why we're even talking about 
It's the spiritual discipline of fellowship. And I said last week that we're talking about three spiritual disciplines that we don't often think of as spiritual disciplines. We don't often think about fellowship as a discipline. We just think about it as hanging out, <laughs> right? Like, especially if you've been around church for a minute. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we fellowship. That means we're going to get the Uno cards out, you know. You know we're going to get it popping. There's going to be some smack talk across the table. Don't worry. I still love you, but I will beat you in Monopoly, Right? <laughs> Fellowship or the idea of being together goes way back even before the church, way back even before, but before we even had this word fellowship, there's this great portion of Ecclesiastes that many of us hear of. Um, uh, and so, you know what? I'm actually going to use these notes because mine are a little bit off. It says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Keep going for me. This is the case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. Keep going. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. Some of y'all, the only time you really hear that scripture is during a wedding, right? Like that's kind of that, like two are better than one. The, the last for, uh, verse in this little section, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Last verse, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm but how can we be warm alone? That's actually not the last one. We got one more. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Right? Like that's, we hear, we've heard that, if, even if you haven't heard it with those words, You've heard that concept. And quite honestly, if you've been around church for any length of time, you hear that when we start talking about doing, being at church, like, uh, like come to church. Listen, they tell you, like, come to church because, you know, a three-braided cord is not easily broken. Like, they start throwing out these verses that really do have significance. There's value in us being able to bring that concept into our daily application that concept comes from Genesis. There's another point in Genesis chapter 2. I want you to just see because just, I just paraphrased it. The only thing that God said was not good in creation was it's not good for the human to be alone. Right? God makes, makes all of creation at the first day says it's good. Light is good. Darkness is good. Animals is good. Plants is good. Water is good. Humans is good. Uh, the only thing that's not good is for this human being to be alone. It's the only moment where Jesus breaks, or excuse me, where God breaks the pattern of saying that this is good. And I intentionally have hue bracketed because your Bible says man, but the, the Hebrew word means human, humanity. It's not good for the human to be alone. Right. So our concept of fellowship, this idea of togetherness, companionship, and in our context, this Christ centered fellowship or excuse me, Christ centered togetherness goes way, way, way back to Genesis. 
It's not good for human beings to be alone. It's just not. Let's get into our passage of Scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, But y'all know me enough to know that we can't just start at the verse where we're going to be hanging out. We'll be in Matthew 18, 18 through 20. But I need us to at least talk through what's happening in Matthew before we get there. So because the context of all of Matthew 18 sets up what's happening in those few verses. So when you first break into Matthew chapter 18... The disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. They're going back and forth about, like, who is the baddest out here? You know, like, I prayed and seven people, you know, got healed, right? Like, I prayed and then our whole community grew by, like, 300, like, right? Like, they're going back and forth. And don't, I know that we giggling about it, but we do that, too. We do that too. Like I went to that Kirk Franklin concert, and he. Oh, and I was at Tasha Cobbs, and I was at you know Phil Wickham, and like <laughs> we and we start talking about who is the best of these people, and like and I can't get with it if if, if they don't go in this court. Like we do that with each other. The disciples were doing that, and Jesus's immediate response is to grab a little kid <laughs> and say, "Be like children." He doesn't break up their argument in a way that says that you guys shouldn't be arguing. He immediately gets into the wise sage mode where I'm going to address what you're dealing with without directly addressing what you're dealing with. And he starts off by saying to them, be like little children. And then the next sort of advice he gives them is to not tempt anyone who believes. He's talking about these children. Again, he's pointing to these kids. Don't tempt anyone who believes. And actually, you yourself avoid sin as well. He says, don't look down on one another. He keeps on going through Matthew 18. And that song, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. That song was written out of a verse in Matthew chapter 18 where there is a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to go get that one, and it's out of Jesus' Telling the disciples, don't look down on one another. Some of us, we thought that song, I mean, it's not, okay, wait, listen, all right? It's not that it's not about God's love, right? The song is about God's love. But the portion of scripture and the context that the, the song was written out of comes out of this idea that Jesus is actually dis- disciplining <laughs> the disciples to say, don't look down on one another. Even the one that's wandering away, the father cares so much for, just like he cares for these little children whom you routinely overlook. That's the whole reason why Jesus started pointing to kids is because they routinely overlook children. And if we're going to be real, we routinely overlook children, right? So that's the reason why when they're arguing about who's the greatest, Jesus like, "Mm, none of y'all, this little kid is. (laughs) 
Y'all out here trying to figure out who the best among you, y'all overlooking the greatest thing. Look at these little kids. Be like them. (laughs) And then this section right before our text, Jesus gives some instructions as it relates to conflict resolution. Why is it important for us to know that? If you don't have that foundation, when we get into this portion of Scripture here, you're going to have a completely different takeaway. This is a part of Scripture that we are familiar with around the church, but we never talk about it in its context. Jesus says this in Matthew 18, 18, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What? Wait, the context lays the foundation for what Jesus is saying. Be like little, so first of all, y'all arguing. Second of all, be like little kids. Third of all, don't fall into sin. Don't tempt anybody into sin and don't overlook one another. And how about when you guys have conflict, I want you to navigate it this way. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid in earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, you ask, my father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in as, as my followers, y'all know it as in my name, right? Uh-huh, that NIV, KGV version, yes. <laughs> I am there among them. And then he finishes it up with this last long parable of the unforgiving debtor. It's the longest parable in that chapter. And many of you know that one. It's the, there, is a, uh, there is a man who owes uh, a rich man more, a whole bunch of money. The man says, I'm going to give you time. I'm going to forgive your debt. And then the same man goes and another person owes him a little bit of money. And he has him choked up in the corner. Well, you going to give me my money? Like, <laughs> right? And then, he, the, and then one of the servants of the rich man see it and is like, yo, I need you to get your boy because he out here choking people over $2 and you forgave him over $20,000. And then and, and Jesus talks about how the father won't forgive you if you don't forgive each other. Why does that matter? Especially when we're talking about fellowship. All of Matthew 18, it's about preserving fellowship. All about Matt, because the, again, the context, they start off arguing about who is the best. They are already beginning to rip apart their fellowship with one another. They're walking around Judea arguing about who is the baddest out here. And Jesus begins to teach them about preserving their fellowship. And the foundation of preserving your fellowship is to be like kids. Why does that matter? Because y'all know kids don't care about who they play with. <laughs> They really don't. The young kids especially, like, like you're a child, I'm a child, let's play. <laughs> they have that, that idea of, of, of fighting for position doesn't show up until we mature out of humility. I said it that way on purpose. That bolstering for position does not show up until we mature out of humility and then we have to mature back into it. (laughs) 
Jesus immediately starts getting at the heart of what they're dealing with and then keeps going. Your fellowship is so important that those individuals who are humbly following me don't tempt them by arguing about who's the best. As a matter of fact, you too shouldn't sin. And if you read that portion of 18, Jesus reminds them of something else that he said in Matthew chapter 5. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He said that on the, sermon, on the Sermon on the Mount, but he also reminds the disciples of that again there because it's that important that, we, that this idea of preserving fellowship is important. This idea of preserving Christ-centered togetherness is important. So important that I'm going to tell you stories about sheep <laughs> and one of them wandering off It's not just that the father loves that sheep that much. The father loves that sheep and cares that much about your togetherness. The whole of chapter 18 is talking about togetherness. And when you get to the point where it starts talking about prayer, that's the reason why you need to be together. Because if two or more of you agree, some of you thought that was agreeing about somebody healing. No, That's not the point. If the two of you, that idea of agreement is if the two of you are together. If the two of you have fellowship with one another. If the two of you are united with one another. Not that you agree that you get the house that you want. If the two of you are together, what you bind in earth will be bound. What you loose in earth or heaven will be loosed. That's the whole point of what Jesus is talking about in there. We have to preserve your fellowship because if you don't, this idea of what you're asking for of me, I, it, it's not a thing. It's not going to happen. Your unity, even to the point of saying that where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Yeah. That idea of my name Yes, I know that we talk about the will of God. I get that. Yes, and that's an important puzzle piece. We'll never negate that. Any portion of Scripture is going to have a lot of context that's a piece of it. But as it relates to our fellowship, this idea of gathering in Christ's name isn't just capping off all of our prayers in Jesus' name. It is embodying the identity of Christ. If two or three of you are embodying the identity of Christ, anything you ask for, I will do. You can't do that arguing about who's the best. That's the whole point. You can't do that positioning for power here. You can't do that. You've got to be like toddlers. Just finding somebody who will play Legos with you. And when you argue about it, go to the father because he took your red Lego and you want it and you're trying to give him this green one. (laughs) And then the father says, hug it out. (laughs) Or if 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 your daddy is a little bit, you know, hood, he'll put you in a T-shirt together and say, work it out. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Like, y'all ain't getting out of this t-shirt until y'all ain't figured that out. (laughs) 
Or if you're like me, I'll take away your Legos. But anyway, no. <laughs> right? And then at the very end, this incredibly long and powerful story about forgiveness. Because Christ knew in their arguing what was at stake. Their fellowship was at stake. You keep doing what you're doing. You're going to find yourself in a position where you won't even pray. You won't even be able to pray together, let alone see miracles. I am convinced after this week of processing this, I'm convinced that a part of why we don't experience God moving the way that we expect our desire is because we're not together. I know that simplifies things. I get it, right? That, can, that may feel like it's too, too simplistic. I get it. But some of us are believing real hard for some things in God. And also, pushing away from our sisters. Some of us are believing real hard from, for God to, to move in some ways and keeping our brothers at a distance. If two or three of you are gathered in my name, embodying the identity of Christ, and you experience togetherness, Anything you ask for, I'll do. And that's not some, God, give me a million dollars and let me run the lottery stuff. God's will is always a piece of that puzzle. Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you come to me talking about some stuff like that, we ain't going to be together. <laughs> We're just not. I'm not going to be with you there. <laughs> You're going to be praying for the lottery, and I'm going to be praying, God, just let him be content. <laughs> Completely working against your prayers. <laughs> But if we are to experience the power of God moving, I've, I've said this before, even as it re relates to our worship time, like that time of us worshiping, like there are times when we're worshiping where people can be healed. I know, I know that that sometimes makes us a little bit leery and we sometimes get a little bit afraid of that idea, but that's in the Bible. Like James says, like, yo, if there's six people among you, bring them up here and let's put some oil on them and heal them. Yeah. That is the whole reason we do the musical worship time together is so that we get to bring our minds and our bodies and our souls and our emotions in the same room at the same time. And when we are there together, yeah. that's when, when we start asking the Father for things, he does things. But some of us are all over the place talking about, I don't like this song. <laughs> and when are they going to be done with this one? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> You're not with us. And when we're not together, it's not to say that God can't move. God can do whatever he wants to do. But he often does what he said he was going to do. <laughs> And what he said he was going to do is when you're together, then I'll do stuff. That's what he, listen, we just got to do what, the dad, what our daddy said. When you're together, then I'll move. And that requires humility from us. It requires humility 
from us. I think, the found, I think that's the primary reason why Jesus starts off by saying, be like little kids, be like children. It's because of the humility that's a piece of that puzzle. They haven't learned their way out of not knowing stuff and, and being okay with that. And it's somewhere around 10 <laughs> that that begins to happen for us. Listen, the preteen years, we know everything. <laughs> and our capacity for humility diminishes and it requires a move of the Holy Spirit to begin opening that up again. Let the Holy Spirit do that work in us. Yes, you, but us. Go to that next slide for me. It's easier for the human to be alone. In Genesis, the only thing that God says is not good in creation is that the human be alone. <clears throat> but I think a big part of actually being humble is confessing. It's easier for humans to be alone. I'm not saying it's good. It's easier though. I get to go as fast as I want when I'm alone or as slow as I want when I'm alone. I get to linger as long as I want when I'm alone. I can skip this track when I'm alone. I can repeat this track when I'm alone. I can pray for what I want when I'm alone. I don't have to actually care about what you're praying for when I'm alone. It's easier. It's okay for us to be honest about that. That's actually a good thing for us to be honest about it. It's confession. But let's follow that up back with what, what God says in Genesis. It's not good for us to be alone. And oftentimes what's easier isn't good. Y'all know that because of what happens when we eat too much McDonald's. Listen, it's easier. Because <laughs> when they get it wrong, you go back and they get you a milkshake, right? Like, like um, <laughs> it's easier, but it's not good. That slide I know that it's applicable to all of us, but let me tell you, the Holy Spirit was dealing with me specifically with that slide. It's easier for you to be alone, Chase, but it's not good. And we live in a context that encourages us to be alone. You go read your Bible, right? You go get in your closet and pray. You fast. You dot, dot, dot. And that has never been the intent of our Father as it relates to our relationship with Him, is that we do anything by ourselves. A better way for us to really, really think about our relationship to God is our Christ-centered togetherness is becomes one of the gateways to entering into this holy space. And while I'm alone and I may feel like I have personal uh, attention from the Holy Spirit, 
That's in the outer courts. That's not in the Holy of Holies. That's a weird way to say that, but I want you to uh, hear this portion of scripture um, in Hebrews because the chap because we're reading chapter 10, but right before that, the writer of Hebrews is talking about that because of the work that Christ has done, we get to enter into the Holy of Holies. And I know that this is a little bit of a switch, but we kind of have to remind ourselves that when these people are talking and writing, they have thoughts <laughs> that are leading from one. It's not written as chapters. It's written as a letter, and I have one thought that precedes another thought that goes into another thought. And so right before the writer of Hebrews says all these things we're about to read, he talks about how Jesus' sacrifice allows us to enter into the Holy of Holies. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Go to the next verse. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his resurrection is drawing near. This is a portion of scripture that we're used to hearing, especially when people are trying to collect tithe. I said it that way on purpose. Let us not neglect coming together. <laughs> but that's not the point. Let us not neglect coming together to encourage one another. That's a part of what it is to be in fellowship. And that's a part of what it is to actually be in that space of experience, actual movement of the Holy Spirit. So I want to leave us with that. For those of us online, you haven't neglected joining. This is just coming together for 2022. <laughs> that's okay. It really is. I know that our foremothers and forefathers might have thought being together was in the same room, but our God is pretty powerful. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that being together did not mean being in the exact same address. Being together had to do with uh, being of the same mind. Being in fellowship, Christ-centered togetherness. Because if I can be in the same room with you and have my mind on the other side of town, then I can be on the other side of town and have my mind where you are. <laughs> right? The spiritual discipline of fellowship, the foundations of it are humility. And the value of it is I also experience encouragement when I am struggling and I also get to be an encouragement when someone else is struggling I don't have to carry my burdens by myself and I get to carry other people's burdens with them we help one another mature and as we mature in our Christ-centered togetherness our shared intimacy with God multiplies and the Holy Spirit moves in miraculous ways when we're together. Contrary to American culture, the culture of our church family cannot do your, you cannot do your faith by yourself. So when we're here, I leave my own agenda and thoughts in the car. I'll pick them back up when I leave. But when I come in this space, or when I log on to that one, 
Holy Spirit, remind me of the humility that's required to be together. Holy Spirit, remind me of what it is to be like a child. Holy Spirit, move my own thoughts, feelings, opinions out of the way, not because they don't matter, but they're just not the primary. So that I can be where you are because when we all try to be where he is, then we all end up in the same space. Let's pray. Father God, we need you. As your disciples in 2022, we are prone to the same things your disciples were tempted by in the first century. Figuring out who's the best. And things tempting us to separate our togetherness. Holy Spirit, preserve our fellowship. Holy Spirit, protect our fellowship. But also, Holy Spirit, convict us when that which is in me is what's attacking our fellowship. God, I thank you for your word, which does this amazing thing of encouraging us and putting us in our place. And so, Lord, as we respond to both, May we mature in you. Help us to grow. Give us grace to live out fellowship in a way that honors you and builds one another up. Holy Spirit, we need you. We receive not just the power to do miraculous things. We receive your power to work in opposition to my arrogance. Holy Spirit, we receive the humility that you would have us to walk in. We glorify you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.